Hello and welcome to This Hope Podcast. We are Fee and Trevor Tucker and we are back with season two. Season two. Um, It's brilliant to be back. We had a little break over uh, the Christmas period Um, and it's the new year. I mean, we're already well into January. Yeah, halfway through January already. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Trev, New Year's resolutions. Oh, I'm really rubbish at these. I don't think that's a bad thing. No. I, I I think one of my challenges I want to set myself rather than a resolution is to read more. Yeah. So last year, I managed to read six books in the year, which feels like for some people that are like heavy readers, <laughs> it'd be like six. Um, but for me, that's like a massive. I up. mean, that's a like in that increase of six whole books. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm already nearly at the end of one already that I got just before Christmas so amazing I'm already nearly on one so I want to try and read at least one a month so let's double the six to twelve amazing I also have um a challenge to read more um but I think my base level is yeah (laughs) slightly higher you're gonna go for seven (laughs) (laughs) having um been at uni for the last nearly three years um and still have three more years to go so uh, I have a lot of reading to do uh we're really excited for our guest today Mm. um is because she is coming to talk all about the body um which is a huge um what would you call it like a trigger almost isn't it for some people well well trigger for some people I mean for me I'm super passionate about um the theology of the body um I um it makes me angry when I see bad theology around the body um, because God created us in his image. Exactly. Um, and when he, God created everything, he looked at all the different things and went, he, and he um, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And then he got to us and he created humankind and he said it was very good. It's like we are God's very good creation. And although, yes, things are, are fallen and corrupt, um, it doesn't mean that we, at the core of our being, are God's very good creation. And also that we are going to be taking our human f- flesh bodies to eternity with us. Jesus mm. was, um, when Jesus was resurrected, it was a bodily resurrection and he ascended into heaven and that was a bodily ascension. So it's a bit of a passion project <laughs> topic of mine. Um But Trev recently had the absolute privilege of interviewing Harriet Eldridge, who is a registered nutrition practitioner, um, who you also had the privilege of working with over the last few months on one of her courses. Yeah, I I was uh, very fortunate through Mercy UK to attend one of Harriet's courses on living well. Um, And it's all about intuitive eating, which we'll talk about. You'll hear Harriet talk about and explain much better than I can. Um, but it was just this amazing 10-week journey where I, I kind of it challenged my relationship with my, my body, but also my relationship with food and mm. how I saw food. Um, and it was just so, so good. And this interview was amazing as well. I, it's, it's genuinely one of my favorite ones. I've been able to sit there and have the pleasure of talking to someone about. Yeah. So just make yourself a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy Um be challenged, be challenged on God, on God's view of you, mm. how he sees you. Be ready to be challenged about um, 
the way that society and culture um, has twisted our, you know, the views on our bodies, um, on diet culture. Um, and just a trigger warning that um, Harriet will talk a little bit about eating disorders. Um, but also she is such a great um, starting point for this conversation. Her interview is a great starting point. Mm. Um, and also we would really encourage you to pursue more of the work she does, the courses, the one-to-one stuff, if this is something you struggle with. Yeah. So let's roll the interview. Yeah. Welcome, Harriet. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Um, so obviously, welcome to the podcast. We're really, really glad you could join us um, and to learn a bit about yourself and a bit about the work you're doing. Um, but I thought we'd start with a nice little question that we ask everyone that comes on. Um, can you share with us maybe a, a, a sermon story that's stuck with you in particular? You know, it could be funny, it could be impactful, you know, it could be really bad. <laughs> Whatever it feels like. It great to yeah, some some of them are. So <laughs> um yeah, so I was thinking about this question and I I grew up in a Christian home, so I I um have heard lots of sermons. Um but really like during my teenage years I got I, I was quite lost and um, ended up living quite a rebellious life. And I remember there was a specific time when I had really hit rock bottom. Mm. Um, and my parents asked if I would go to this um, conference and it was a father heart conference. And I was not walking with God at this time. And I went purely because of the free food. Um, nice. <laughs> so I went and um the sermon was called The Robe and the Ring, hmm. and it was based or inspired by the parable of the prodigal son um, and the incredible forgiveness and mercy of God. And I remember sitting in that sermon, um, and I'm sure everyone kind of knows the story of yeah. the prodigal son. But I guess in that moment, even though I'd heard it so many times, it spoke to me in a different way. And what really hit me was that the father didn't just kind of be, uh, begrudgingly accept his son back. He embraced him yeah. and he ordered the most um, beautiful robe, which was a symbol of honor. And he put a ring on his, sin, uh, his son's fin finger, which signified kind of restoration and renewed identity. And it was just a beautiful, it just hit me this beautiful example of God's forgiving love and restoration, even when you're, you know, you've rebelled and you've um, lost your way and you come back. And I remember it just hit me and a lot of things changed for me in that moment. Yeah, I mean, that is such an awesome story, but it's great, as you say, when you hear these things that you've heard, you know, that's a classic Sunday school story, mm -hmm. isn't it? It's quite an easy um, yeah. kind of picture to understand when you're younger but to hear it in a different way and it really to have an impact it's it's awesome when that stuff happens I love it I, I think you know I, I was a youth worker for 14 years definitely did stories on that one so many times it's always yeah. trying to think of that new angle so it's, it's great to yeah. hear that when that yeah, happens also it's like sometimes just the place you're in and when like like you say you can hear it over and over again but there's just times when it hits differently yeah um, I was just in that moment like hit in a way I'd never yeah it just resonated with me completely I had a similar thing when remember the lilies when I was younger as well kind of it just kind of like oh oh 
like whoa <laughs> I, I know this one but i didn't know this one like oh, okay <laughs> well that's great thank you for sharing that that's amazing um so one another thing that we obviously talk about on our podcast and uh, i'm not sure if you've how many you've heard or at all but we kind of say about people's storms in life and obviously uh i know a little bit about your background from reading your your uh website and also being on one of your courses which we'll talk about in a bit um <laughs> which is really great but like kind of it'd be re really wonderful to hear a bit about your story um so obviously we've just had a bit of a rebellious team so that's always exciting to hear but <laughs> you know what's got you to this point where you are with your career and life at the moment that'd be really great to hear yeah so like i say i grew up in a christian family so my dad was a pastor and led a big church in yorkshire and i you know would say i was a christian i believed in god but i definitely didn't have a relationship with god yeah. um, and like we just said i'd heard all of these things these sermons but nothing really kind of hit me and um then when i went to high school i got very kind of in the wrong crowd and um just really lost my way and lost who i was and started doing things that i know if my parents knew that i was doing would i believed would disown me yeah. and so i lived very much independently pushed them away because i guess now looking back i realized that it was a protective mechanism that if i could push them away before they pushed me away mm. um and so i got i just got very lost disengaged with my family stopped going to church and things just progressively got worse. I was um, addicted to all sorts of things. And that's where I um, was diagnosed with an eating disorder mm -hmm. and spent many, many years in and out of hospital. Yeah. Um, and throughout this time, my dad was hosting these really big conferences with leaders from Bethel and all of these things. And people were praying for me and I was just so broken. Yeah. Uh, and then I actually got, when I was 20, I was um, given a scholarship to go to Bethel um, mm. school and I was still not walking with God. Mm. Um, but I, I guess at this point I was so broken and yeah. so lost that I really had nothing else. You know, doctors were saying I was going to die and my life was hospital. So I just decided to move to California. Um, As you do, yeah. I've got nothing to lose, really. Yeah. And that's really where my journey back to um, God and like my faith um, came about. And I'm not going to lie, those three years at Bethel were probably the hardest years of my life. Yeah. Um, I was kind of conflicted between this life I was living and then hearing all of this truth and what God um, says about me. But it was absolutely incredible. And I had so many encounters with God. And in my final year, I interned with um, a lady who was a nutritionist yeah. and very mindful of food. I was still struggling with my relationship with food during this time. And I was fascinated by the body and how food impacted us. And so I, I came back to the UK and I decided to study um, biomedicine and nutritional therapy. Mm -hmm. and 
it just helped me so much in my relationship with food to understand how incredible the body was. Um, and then since qualifying um, back in 2018, I then set up my own private practice and was working really generali- like generally with people on nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more people I saw, the more I realized so many people struggled with their relationship with food and so many people um, were looking for weight loss. And I truly did believe at the beginning that if I could educate them on nutrition, then I'd be able to help them yeah. lose weight and feel healthy. And <laughs> I, I was very wrong. And as I've grown as a practitioner and learned more, yeah. I really gone on to take a non-diet approach and, and um, embrace a more kind and compassionate relationship with food and help people to find freedom with food. Mm. Um, and that's really what my mission and the mission of Rooted Living, which is the which I'm the founder of, is to help people find food happiness, to break out of that negative relationship with food and embrace more peace with their bodies and um, have that level of education, um, but but ultimately to feel um, comfortable and happy with who they are. Yeah. And, and so I was very lucky to, to be a part of one of your courses through Mercy, which was really great. And I'd never heard of this approach before, but, I, you know, it's it's something that genuinely has changed the way I look at food and myself, which is great. And, and, and that's, you know, all credit to the teacher. Um, but like even since the course finished and like being in social situations where I'm actually talking to my friends about it and they're like what's that and it's like you explain it and they go well that kind of makes sense and I was like yeah <laughs> so <laughs> it's, like, it's really great and and but like also for me it's it being able to kind of put into words mm. the, that relationship with food that maybe I didn't before and I would just kind of not know what, how, what it was that I was feeling around it and stuff so it's been really amazing and I think you know, awesome. it's a testament to you and the course that you've created there in terms of making that safe environment to explore that kind of relationship with food and understanding that it's, you know, it's not all doom and gloom yeah. <laughs> in that sense. That's really, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so then I know that I, I know what this is, but maybe people out there don't. So you spoke a lot in the course about intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Um so what is it? <laughs> why do, why is that different? And like, is it a non-diet approach maybe? Yeah, exactly. So intuitive eating is exactly that. It's, it's a non-diet um, self-care approach to nutrition and health, really. Mm. And it, it is made up or consists of 10 principles um, that work together to help somebody embrace food freedom. So it's absolutely not um, a diet, even though the diet in, and wellness industry are trying to <laughs> corrupt it and turn it into a diet. But really intuitive eating is a process that involves um, bringing your awareness to your body. So really learning what your body um, is is saying to you, how it feels and, and what it's telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the skills that you learn within intuitive eating is learning how to listen to your body build body trust and using your body and your brain to decide what and how much and when to eat opposed to kind of external rules and I guess this differs from diet mentality or conventional diets which 
are usually made up of a list of rules yeah. of you should eat this, you shouldn't eat that, you must, you mustn't. Um, and this this causes you to to um, eat based on external um, factors. And it's rigid and judgmental and often focuses on weight and body size as the outcome. Yeah. Whereas intuitive eating is is much more flexible and non-judgmental and adaptable. And it, it doesn't focus on weight loss, mm -hmm. but it instead focuses on the behaviors that contribute to long-term health. So it's okay if somebody has a desire to lose weight and we can talk more about that because we live in a culture and a society yeah. that has this body ideal but the, the focus of intuitive eating is not on weight loss yeah and I think as a, again talking from my experience of it like my my mentality has shifted on, on that mm -hmm. kind of thing so like the other day <laughs> I went to a a restaurant with some friends and it was like an unlimited wings eating competition <laughs> and um and and i think uh, normally i would have just kept going but actually I, uh, because of the fact i was with a group of lads you know i didn't want to be the first to stop eating but mm -hmm. actually i went into it with a different mind of actually i'm i'm done here like and i didn't yeah. it didn't yeah. matter to me then what that those external things were of like i did the best i could I, you know i probably still went a bit <laughs> crazy because you know in a bit of competition i'm quite competitive but <laughs> like yeah i knew when to stop i knew when my when my body was going right this is enough stop mm. worrying about what everyone might say and actually enough's enough and yeah. i think that's that's a real change off the back of of being on that course with you and the, and the others that was really yeah so it's awesome to hear that is that's amazing yeah <laughs> and so much of intuitive eating is the mindset around around it and actually i think often people may have this misconception that intuitive eating is just this kind of woo-woo thing, but it's actually heavily uh, researched and there's loads of evidence and it's actually um, really become um, an evidence-based approach to to restoring your uh, relationship with food. Yeah. So is there like a, a, a particular place that you would send someone if they were looking for more information about that? Cause... Yeah, so... So intuitive eating is actually set up by two women. I forget their names. It's Evelyn Tribe or Trub. I don't know. I'm not going to try and butcher their names, but they have a book, which is an incredible starting point. And they also have a kind of workbook mm -hmm. for you to start working through the principles. Yeah. So that would definitely be my starting point. I will link that book in the show notes. So if you want to find out more about that, it'll be below <laughs> this episode. Um, no correct names <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll find those don't worry um so kind of you you kind of touched on it a bit there in terms of like you know the culture we, we live in you know it's very body image focused um mm. so uh, it, it, what would you then say to someone that maybe you know feels uh, shame uh, around their body size and their way and and if you were approaching it from this part, point on your course like how would you go about doing that yeah and and this is something that so many people feel and i would i would say that it is completely understandable mm. that you are experiencing weight related shame or you're struggling with your body image and that you are definitely not alone yeah. um, we live in a culture that tells us that we should constantly be working to try and shrink or fix or change mold or shape our bodies to fit 
society's narrow kind of body ideal um and we from a very young age are programmed to believe that thin bodies are good and fat bodies are bad Mm. and that being smaller is what we you know is necessary for health happiness worthiness success and so it makes total sense that this is something that we would actively try and pursue and if we weren't we we feel bad about ourselves um and i guess you know as human beings we have this strong desire to belong and Mm. to feel accepted and to be part of something and because our society attaches body size with morality you know it makes sense that we would want to be smaller um and so you know i think the first step is is that it's it's normal and it's understandable and it's not that there's something wrong with you um and i guess a lot of it is the education of of it makes sense that you're putting this onto your body Mm. uh, and you believe that your body is the problem but really it's the society that we live in that is the problem yeah Uh, because that's what's telling us to feel shame about our body and that if we were smaller um then we would be better or we would feel better about ourselves and and it's you know feeling better about ourselves doesn't come when we change our body it comes when we change our beliefs about ourselves yeah and that's quite hard (laughs) sometimes isn't it yeah absolutely and I think that's exactly it when when we can you know put shift the focus onto our food or exercise it feels like we're able to do something about it Um, but actually when it's these deep beliefs and changing our mindset it feels a lot harder yeah it feels like it's easier to explore the external stuff and blame the external stuff than it is to face the stuff that might be going on inside that you know you don't want to tackle (laughs) yeah um and kind of following on from that then so I mean, I can share a thing about this. So I used to sneak spoonfuls of Nutella <laughs> out of the jar. That's my like little guilty secret. Uh, if I was having a bad day, I'd be like, right, I'm going to get a spoon and I'm going to go to the Nutella jar and I'm going to have a big chunk of that. But what then advice would you give to someone that maybe is having guilt around eating certain foods or kind of these kind of sneaking behind closed doors kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. And- and that is really, really common and something that I hear a lot with my clients. And and this kind of guilt around food usually comes from our internal um, critic or what I call or the intuitive eating um, kind of founders called the food police. Mm. What creates these rules around the types of food that we should or we shouldn't eat. And this is kind of reinforced by society of like, these are good foods or these are bad foods. And when we kind of have these internal rules um, and we're able to stick to them, we feel really, really good about ourselves and we feel really righteous and like, yes, I'm in control. But then it o- it's only a matter of time until we break those rules. Mm. And then we feel like a complete and utter failure and we feel really guilty and shameful and we've got no willpower. And it's this real spiral. And so the first step really if someone was coming to me experiencing these kind of food guilt would be the awareness Mm. um and you know you will know being my course it's something i talk a lot about this mindfulness this awareness of the the thoughts that you have and that's you know unless you know what what those thoughts are it's really difficult to kind of um start to challenge them or 
um, you know, move through them. And so what are the rules that you have around food? What kind of um, parameters are you putting on the foods that you are or you're not allowed to eat? Um, and writing them down and, and really starting to identify this, this food police. Um, and then kind of exposure. So um, underlying most of these rules is the fear that something bad will happen as a consequence of eating that food or breaking that rule. And so exposure helps you to experience what it's like to not avoid because kind of um, adhering to these rules is is masking this underlying fear, this anxiety of what will or won't happen to your body or, you know, um, anything really. So the first time that you expose yourself to the fear can be really challenging. but with kind of repetition and continuing it, that anxiety reduces. Um, and and then part of the process as well. So once you've kind of had the awareness of those food police thoughts and you're starting to expose yourself, kind of connecting with, with your why. So throughout the intuitive eating process, you are going to be faced with lots of discomfort because you're doing something new. You're challenging those beliefs that have been there for a really long time. So really connecting with your values, um, what's important to you, who do you want to be, what do you want to be remembered by? And this can really help you to to help direct you in the way that you want to go and um, help you to see where the misalignment is between what you're doing and where you want to go. Yeah, I think what you said there about writing down things, like (laughs) I didn't realise the power of writing down. (laughs) Uh, Like just, I mean, I've got my notebook here. It is literally filled with pages of, of notes that we took during the course and I actually writing a lot of this stuff down really kind of was like oh yeah I have that in my brain but maybe I don't always focus on it and it just kind of slips away and and another thing you just mentioned as well around the rules I thought that that was something that really really kind of shocked me almost that you were saying about the rules we might have had as kids so I know that when I was at the table I wasn't allowed down until I finished everything the plate had to be empty um especially if there was pudding on a Sunday (laughs) you know like we were allowed pudding after a roast but you had to eat everything and it, yeah. but then thinking about that with my children and realizing that I put rules on their eating as well and actually that since that I've tried to reduce that and that, that was a real kind of a massive eye-opener for me in terms of like actually you know it's also almost passed down through generations these kind of food rules that we have and we don't yeah. question them because they've come from our parents and that's yeah. that was really fascinating and, and, and an eye-opener in that sense so yeah yeah so so much of our relationship with food can be stemmed or we you know when you explore family narratives and like you say those rules that have just been so conditioned that we don't even question them but and I think it's really important to note that our parents and our grandparents were all swimming in the same diet culture that we are today it might have looked a little bit different but ultimately those rules are really signaling to our body that they can't be trusted Mm. you know when we tell our children you have to eat your vegetables to do this it's because we don't trust that they're instinctively able to nourish their body with what feels right um and so it is again this like safety mechanism and to to kind of question that or um push back feels really scary and you know not eating everything on your plate even though 
you know you may have been told that there's that's food waste and it's you know there's other people that could deserve that it's it's uncomfortable mm. but it's about what does my body need in this moment yeah well even i've realized as well like my daughter was talking about she she was looking at food stuff at school and um she was eating a bowl of fruit and fiber the other day and she was like this is this is a bad this is not a healthy food i was like why is that she's like well look it's all got full of sugar and fat i was like yes but there's a difference <laughs> between certain fats and stuff as well and it's like you then try to educate her like not to be scared mm -hmm. of what the world is telling her in terms of like what she can eat and can't eat and it's like yeah it's made me so much more aware of that stuff which is which is amazing and which yeah. is awesome because i think you know i'm not a parent but <laughs> when i am it's got you know they are sponges to our oh. environment our relationships with food and you know even your daughter who what is how old she's uh, gonna be nine in a week <laughs> yeah, thinking about um you know what's in food or sugar or fat like you know children that that shouldn't be a worry and i you know i gave a statistic in my course that actually more children i think around 90 percent of children are more concerned with being fat than they are with a parent dying or cancer um and that's just shocking yeah. and that you know it, it is about that re-education and i think it's awesome that you are embracing this relationship and you're able to then kind of change because it doesn't really matter how many family generations have been passed on i know that my family you know all of all of my kind of grandparents etc have struggled with their relationship with food and i'm like i you know i get to change that when yeah. i have my children yeah definitely and i think that it's just there's so much to to worry about in the world we don't want the kids especially worrying about fat in food and things it's like actually just enjoy being a child and that's you yeah. know it, it, it was a real kind of eye-opener that i don't think i would have probably picked up on if i hadn't mm. gone gone through this training and stuff with you um so going to move it slightly back to yourself for a moment and yeah. take you back to the, 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 that kind of teenager rebellious kind of mode. So if you now, in, living, in your living room right now, had the opportunity to step into a time machine <laughs> and go back uh, with all of the knowledge that you have now, what do you think you would say to yourself or kind of how would you encourage yourself in, in that moment when you were most vulnerable and, and really struggling with food? Mm, I think firstly, I would, I would just hug her. <laughs> Fair. I, I would just, she was so broken and lost. And I think I would just, um, yeah, hug her. And I guess in terms of like the, the beliefs I had around food and my body, um, I would want to say that that health is not health if your relationship with food causes you so much stress and it limits you from limit, uh, living your life. Yeah. I spent so many years of my life um, scared of food and questioning, is this healthy? Is this not healthy? That my world just became so small. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I avoided doing the things that I truly loved mm. and, so much of that stemmed from my belief that being smaller meant that I was more loved and more accepted. Um, so I would, I would tell my, you know, my younger self that what I eat, my body size um, has no impact on my worth. 
and how I show up in the world. Um, and that being smaller doesn't mean that I'm more worthy or lovable. Um, but I, I guess also that if, if I did say that, or if somebody did say that to me, then I probably wouldn't have um, taken it. I think, you know, I look back and I'm sure my mum and people said that to me, but I think I probably still would have needed to go on a journey myself. Um, And I think for me and so many of the people that I work with, controlling our bodies and dieting is often something that we turn to when we feel out of control in our lives. Um, and for me, it was absolutely an attempt to deal um, with the pressures um, of life and, and an extremely difficult time in my teenage years where I was in an abusive relationship. And so it gave me a sense of control. It served a purpose. It was what made me feel safe and what I needed in that moment. Yeah. Um, but my body was the scapegoat for for what there's more complicated emotional needs that as a teenager I just didn't have the tools or know how to handle yeah Um, so I guess that's where it would be you know going back and just validating and validating her and it's not necessarily trying to change those beliefs because in that moment it was serving a purpose but to help her yeah um, find alternative ways to deal with those emotions and to um, not have to hold all of that shame in and to, to, to allow her to kind of express that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a strange question to ask, but that was, you know, it was really well answered. And, and actually, you know, it's that, as you say, it's just showing that compassion, isn't it? And that's one of the things that we spoke about on the course is that self-compassion. We wouldn't talk to someone else how we talk to ourselves. And I yeah. think, you know, just yeah. being able to go back and just give that hug and say, you know you're loved you are you are wonderful and like yeah and it's so you know we again coming back to my children sorry uh we we say something to them every night before bed we say god made you and he made you good like we just reinforce that they are good no matter what's happened in the day we want them to know that we love them and they're good and i think you know just that self-compassion as well is so important isn't it i think yeah and i think that is something that has been so instrumental in my journey of this self-compassion because I had no compassion for myself absolutely none and and even you know you'll know this from being on the course but even today like now after being on this journey for so long I still ask myself in certain situations what would I say to my little Harriet what would would I deny little Harriet that would I say to her you should you need to earn that absolutely not would I say that to a child or to my friend no so why would I do it to myself and it feels really uncomfortable it's much easier to show compassion to others than it is to ourselves but ultimately the more we show ourselves compassion the more we're signaling to our body we are worthy Mm. through our actions through our words through um you know our thoughts about ourselves yeah oh that's amazing thank you um so then coming back to a faith perspective as well then like how do you feel god wants us to feel about our bodies i mean you've already kind of i think you've already touched on it a bit but like just be kind of here to hear that cool to hear that yeah yeah and you know i think this again growing up in a christian household i was told you know god loves you god thinks you're beautiful but it but it it was words it didn't because i didn't feel that about myself so i couldn't possibly believe it yeah 
And, you know, as a child, I struggled so much with intrusive thoughts from a very, very young age. And almost all of them were around my body and my identity and my image. And um, for me, I had, when I was at Bethel, I had this absolutely incredible encounter with God where where the words of how God sees our body and how he wants us to feel in our body became so real just like I shared at the beginning with the parable of the prodigal son and I saw God um and if it is okay if I share just this vision really quickly please do yeah no we'd love that (laughs) yes I was I was just in my apartment and um I saw uh, God and he was kind of making this this incredible thing with clay and there was music on and the joy on his face I mean I was watching from behind and I was like he was laughing and there was so much joy and I remember thinking like what is he making and I was like looking behind and and then I I saw and it was me and the joy and just the detail the intricate like detail that went into making me and I remember just in that moment realizing that I was made in such a a unique and beautiful way that I wasn't a mistake, that there wasn't one part of my body that was made wrong. Everything was made exactly as he intended it to be. And I think that just made me come to a place of realizing um, that I am, that, you know, even if I don't see myself as beautiful or I don't fit into this conventional, God made me and he is so happy yeah. with me and everything can and so I guess God wants us to to see ourselves the way that he sees us mm. sees us um and to see that we are made with you know made in with purpose um and also you know that he sees much deeper than our physical appearance and our outward appearance that he sees our heart and he sees us as a person uh, as yeah. a whole being oh that's that's amazing <laughs> i just have nothing to say on that one that's so yeah thank you for sharing that that's incredible that's um it fits in with that i don't know if you've ever read the story of the wemmicks no you are special i think it's called um it's a story about puppets that have stickers um, mm. and they have star stickers and they have black spots and you follow this story of this one Wemmick who isn't very talented he can't sing like some of them he he's not as good looking and the others give him black dots because he doesn't fit to their their views but all the ones that are amazing get stars and they and they get given stars for when they do things that the rest of them think are good and eventually he meets one Wemmick that doesn't have any spots or any stickers at all. And it's because she says that she goes and visits the maker. And the Wemmick goes and he visits the maker and he sits down with him. And he realizes that he isn't a mistake. He doesn't. He looks yeah. this way because he was made this way. And he was made because the, the, the maker loves him. And eventually mm. his stickers start to fall off. And it's a children's story and we read it sometimes with kids. Yeah, was... But it's just, it's so similar. It just is what came to my mind as you were saying that. Like actually, that, yeah, it's, you know, when we're in the presence of our maker, we understand that he doesn't make mistakes. He makes us how he wanted to make us. And I think that's really amazing. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. 
Yeah. No. It's so good. That book. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's a great book. We've got a pop-up version as well, which is oh, <laughs> <good>. amazing. <laughs> but it's it's yeah, it's a it's a really really good kind of story about that yeah. kind of self-worth and and understanding it doesn't matter. We may not be the same as everyone else, but actually, this is who we are, and that's really great. Wow! And I think just just on that as well, like you know, having that revelation and having that vision shifted something, but actually walking that out in the society that conditions you know that appearance, outward appearance, is the most important thing. Yeah. Is a, you know that's the journey, and walking in that and living in this society is so challenging um because you are kind of swimming against the grain um but it is absolutely possible and i guess that's where you know courses and um being part of communities that are also embracing that journey becomes a really kind of foundational part of mm. restoring your relationship with food because there's only so much that we can do about kind of learning that acceptance and but you know, you go into work environments or family environments, and you're completely conflicted with, wait, I've learned this, but then this is happening, and it can be really challenging. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ah, oh, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with us. So, if you want to find out more about what Harriet's doing, you can go to her website, which is rootedliving.co.uk. Am I right? Ah, oh, yes, got yes, it right. Uh, and or yeah. find, find her Instagram, which is rootedliving1 the number one uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so on Instagram. just rooted living <laughs> but definitely worth <laughs> checking that out i mean i, I was li literally looking at stuff yesterday um you post or, or might have been this morning even you posted one about hunger is normal and natural sign of health which is great what mm -hmm. harriet does on there mm -hmm. is great because she posts these images and then it gives you a nice little kind of paragraph or so to read and it just makes stuff so clear and it's really, really worth checking out. Same as the website. There's lots of stuff on there. There's blogs and, and recipes and all sorts. They're just worth checking out. <laughs> Definitely go over and have a look. Um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, oh, actually, one last thing I was going to ask is if people are listening, uh, maybe some of the stuff that you've said has really resonated with them. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that maybe they can just send you an email or kind of get in contact and ask follow-up questions or inquire and what's the best way of doing that? yeah absolutely so on my website there's um a contact form so you can send me an email direct from there or on instagram um a direct message i love speaking with people um so please absolutely if something has stood out to you or you want to know more then please do get in touch i will also be um running a, another 10 week um intuitive eating course so that it's called the foundations to food freedom which is uh what you trevor came on um it's so great. i will be running that again in the new year um so that all that information is on my website as well if you are interested and i can't recommend it enough it's it's genuinely really really great um that's wonderful thank you so much harriet it's been oh, an absolute pleasure and uh hopefully you know maybe we can get you on again in the future and, uh, and maybe explore some of this stuff in a different way or different lights but it's been an Absolutely. absolute pleasure well thank you so much for having me thank you right so that was harriet amazing absolutely incredible um there's just so much wisdom oh in there. so much and as i say like i'd love to have her back on in the future 
Um, maybe with some kind of questions directly from you guys as well. And I know that she's uh, expressed an openness to doing that kind of thing. So, you know, if there is things that you have got out of that or you have questions, you know, do definitely drop us a line and we can look to organize something with Harriet again in the future. Yeah. But as I say, I really encourage you to um, go and have a look at Harriet's website and go and have a look at her Instagram social medias um, and have a look at the different courses and services she um, runs because she is just such a blessing when it comes to um, such a tricky topic and something a lot of us struggle with. Yeah, definitely. Um, So yeah, Trev, where can you find everything? All of the links that you'll need are in the show notes. That's to her website and and information on intuitive eating. also, you know, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at hello at wehavethishope.co.uk. You can um, subscribe to the podcast. Please rate and review. It really helps. Um, if this is something, this episode has spoken to you, um, why don't you share it with people if you think mm. it will help somebody else? Um, and as always, we have our online shop, yep. um, which you can um, view at our website, which is wehavethishope.co.uk. Um, and we will be back soon with more amazing interviews. Yeah, looking forward to it, guys. Stay tuned. Yeah, bye.